Ladies and gentlemen, welcome down in front this week. We're talking about stuff. Hooray. Hooray. What? Oh, hi, my name is Teague. And I'm sitting here next to Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Michael Dorkman Scott. Hi. And Trey Amazing Stokes. Okay. We're going to do a grab bag episode of stuff that we've experienced lately or just seen for the first time or whatever. There's this thing called Netflix. Have you heard of it? There's, Netflix. All, there's all this stuff on it. Netflix is good for that. Mike, what have you seen lately? Uh, you know what? I finally started watching The West Wing. Hooray! Uh, fucking take it now. Shut yeah. down the podcast. Yeah. It has achieved its goal. <laughs> what do you yeah. What do you think so far? Are you enjoying it? Oh uh, yeah, I love it. Of course. Are you, are what you, was your tweet about the music all about? Well, the on the first episode, it's like like the, the, well, the first the first episode doesn't have the the theme. It doesn't open with the theme. Right. It's the only uh, episode that doesn't. Well, well, that's 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 an I issue. I know because I just like, rewatched it myself yesterday. The I first mean, episode. I mean, we talked a little bit about there's the the end credits music, which is very which can be very jarring depending on the episode. It sounds like birds are building a dress for Cinderella. Yeah, exactly. Which can be very which can be very strange when it's a very sad or yeah. somber ending. To and an all the Chinese people them. died. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but and the but, president but, has been shot, and we don't know how my, my, if he's alive. The thing is, in the very first episode, they're doing like you've just been introduced to the or, or you just were introduced to the idea of the West Wing and the the president. You know, he sl- he um, slept with the girl, and he's like, "Potus hit a tree" and stuff like that. And he's he's going and he explains, "President of the United States, I work in the West Wing." And then you're in the West Wing, and it's intense and all that stuff. And you've got the Cinderella dress music yeah. as everyone's walking through doing doing their walking talks and stuff. And I'm going talking about Cubans drowning off yeah, the coast of Miami, exactly. And I'm going, "What the hell <laughs> is going on with this music?" But it was pretty much only that episode. It got yeah. it got its act together. Exactly. What, what I was what I was just actually just remarking to Trey earlier today as we were walking up was the tendency in the early episodes to drop in really kind of self uh, self conscious uh, modern music like Cootie and the Blowfish in there. Yeah, alongside the you know, the orchestral, this is Washington and the fate of the country, the thing. snuffy stuff. And it yeah. feels like I was saying to Trey, it feels like, to me at least like it was some. It has the feeling of a studio executive or a network executive going, "We need the popular music to get in the young yeah. demographic." Yeah, that's how Dawson's Creek does it. We got to yeah, do it over exactly. here. A show about the West Wing. Oh God! In the chat, Gibtown is asking, "Should I watch British House of Cards first or West Wing first? I just, you know, Here's I, the thing: you I, have to watch West Wing first because it's actually required viewing i started watching the british house of cards and it's really slow and clunky and boy if you watch them in a certain order watch the watch the british one first because it's nowhere near as slick as the as the uh, i I watched i I watched the kevin spacey thing and so i was like yeah okay i'll check out the british thing i did one episode and was like uh, this is not worth it's it's really it's it's, i I would recommend passing on and just west wing is yeah west wing is fantastic the the other aspect of it is the there are moments and lines and elements that are lifted, you know, very straight between the British and the American. And whether it's just an American sensibility or higher production value or the intervening 20 years of filmmaking craft or, or whatever, Kevin Spacey, whatever it is, it just it it's done a lot better in the American. Like yeah. everything is just slicker. And it's like more seeing that TV done. pilot version of what became heat. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen that. So, I mean, you're really just going <clears> to. <throat> You will literally be listening to these same lines being delivered among the same people, just in a less affecting way. So just stick yeah. with the Kevin Spacey. I just—it's weird because I just happened to rewatch 
the first episode of the West Wing myself in yeah, the past twenty four hours. Because um, that I, recently shit. I, yeah, no, I literally, I because I, I, I was watch, I was watching the West Wing, and I was up to like season five, which is when it starts to you know that's when that's when Sorkin and and Tommy Shlami left the show, and it did, it did change. It didn't become awful or anything like that. But it you do get Josh Molina. It didn't. So that's ju- good. Yeah, exactly. It didn't jump the shark, but it definitely became a different kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, had a different kind of vibe to it. But the first four seasons are just amazing. But when I first started watching, it was all suddenly they all appeared on Netflix. I'm like, oh my god, a whole West Wing. And I, I I started somewhere in season two because it was just an episode. I said I want to see that episode where that happens. Two cathedrals, whichever, probably one of those or whatever. You know that that section, the end of season one, beginning of season two is amazing. Um, so somewhere I'll start with that. So I didn't really watch rewatch the first season so much. Um, I went to click on it this morning to go. Oh, I've got some time to kill. I'll I'll watch the West Wing. But it forgotten my place and it started from the beginning. So I oh well I haven't well, seen let's it. see. And it was I was struck by how you, again you can see sort of that first episode which I assume is the pilot. I I, I don't yeah. think they yeah. went straight. It feels to, like a pilot. They, did, they didn't go straight to series, although they built a hell of a lot of sets. Boy, that's uh, yeah. that's that was an expensive pilot. Um, you, but can, the pilots- you can see what the show was meant to be. The show was meant to be. A, it's a show about Sam Seaborn. Yes. Yeah. He was the star. You mm-hmm. know, Rob Lowe was the star. And the president was supposed to be a walk-on role, like half. Yeah. The every president. You know, season it was or so. about everyone who worked in the West Wing, and the president was rarely on camera, and. Uh, so you can see all the things that are different about that, where all the almost all the subplots are about Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, his assistant gets much more screen time than she ever does in any subsequent episode. Yeah. I feel bad for her. Um, Donna and you know Donna and Josh were like you know a side thing. Mm-hmm. You know Donna and Josh became more thing. Um, and the president shows up for two minutes at the end. Yeah, and they re- they didn't they they after the first season they realized they didn't really have anything they could do with this Mandy character, and they just she just disappeared. Yeah, Maura Kelly um, just disappeared. But uh, but. Halfway through the first season, it just it starts to hit its stride, and it's like, a, have you it's, seen? It's the, really quite something. The pilot of Studio Sixty lately, because I always think of both West Wing and Studio Sixty having these like awesome pilots, yeah. And then also the Newsroom pilot I liked a lot too, yeah. But I don't remember Studio Sixty pilot. I've seen recently. I don't yeah. remember enough that about DVD. the Studio Sixty and Newsroom pilots to be able to put them into like an order, because I think of all three of them as being very good. Yeah. I always remember being struck by how much I love the Studio Sixty pilot, yeah. But I also recall really loving the West Wing pilot, and I don't know where I'd put them in order. The West Wing pilot because he seems good- to be really good at pilots having just rewatched it it's a, the west wing pilot really is amazing it really is the way it hits the, the way it hits the ground running so hard yeah and you know the walk and talk is there from day one i mean you know there's the teaser there's a little teaser but then you know two two minutes later they do a walk and talk of every set they had right. all in one big long go and it's like holy shit you the, know? the thing that always surprises me when i actually pay attention to the production design of the west wing a it's amazing and expensive but b what's great about the the lighting in that show is that it's so weird and implausible because basically their version of the White House is set up with these huge spotlights every three seconds so that when they're doing walk and talks, they kind of go in and out of shafts of light and it looks nice. But then you look at like the background, if you can see the background of the set, and it's like, well, that area is totally dark except for there's a beam of light in the middle of the hallway, but that's it kind of thing. Like it'd be the world's worst yeah. place to work. You're yeah. stubbing your toe all the time. <laughs> and, and in real life, they're just Here, check out this document. Uh, come down here. Yeah, we walked halfway down the hall. Um on the, the topic of the West Wing, I just actually finished rewatching the whole thing. Start to oh, finish. Wow. Season oh, seven is good. What yeah, first? I think it's too much shit. I think it's too interesting. Yeah, well, after Obama, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. In, really in my, well, yeah. In my opinion, obviously, once Shlomi and Sorkin leave, there's a dip. Like Trey says, it five know, six is it kind turns of it, and there's you know some stumbling, sure, but I don't think it's a bad show. No, no, it doesn't by go stretch the imagination at all. But it does definitely hit. Uh, for me, it really digs in again once they really get on the campaign trail. It's a diff- it's a totally different show than season one of West Wing, yeah. but it's still a, a damn good show in its own right. With the exception of you know, there's 
it, it what was particularly interesting about rewatching West Wing now, I first started watching it when it was on the air in high school. I actually had to. My history teacher <laughs> made us. We were like, okay, this is a tremendous opportunity to teach you about the mechanics of our government. Or rather to let someone else do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was actually a great teacher. But Came on the classroom, yo. Um, he, it was literally you know homework to go home and watch the West Wing. Having no previous knowledge of how government works in any way, shape, or form. Now having much more experience and much more knowledge to yeah. go back and rewatch. Now you're a policy wonk. Yeah, I mean, well, it's you know, it's interesting to rewatch the episode about the census. Now having worked on the census, <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, so the argument that they're making makes total sense, but it means that I wouldn't have had that job. Ah, I get it. I totally get it. But um, it's. It's interesting to rewatch with that, with that knowledge. Um, and well, the other aspect is once I finished it, you know, Netflix did it. You might also like, and one of the options was commander in chief. So like, I okay. watched that for a second. I, uh, okay. I'll, for a it's, second. It's only I one for like season. six or eight episodes. I didn't stick through the whole season. Yeah, it was, it's, it's only one season. So I was like, even if I don't like it, which I'm pretty sure I won't, I'll still watch the whole season. It's Gina Davis as the president. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's the, the idea of first woman president and how she deals with that situation. Uh, so Gina I, Davis Lee. I had pre-committed to watching the, the whole season and I did not end up doing it. <laughs> uh, it was, Whoa. it was especially hard, literally coming right on the heels of the West Wing. Yeah. And watching them literally tread the exact same ground. You would have, you know, the West Wing would had its web episode about the Russians coming for a summit and having to deal with them, you know, not treating their press the way we would like them to treat their press and Russians not having free press. And how do we deal with that thorny diplomatic issue? Literally the exact same. And you'd think with like a template that perfect, they'd be able to do it. Yeah. And the and there's, you know examples of that over and over and over again between the two shows and they just you can really tell the difference between the poli- the, the people understanding the policy and the actual reality of this is what the situation would be and and not to it. The Westman was a special show. That being yeah. said, I will say the ba- the basic premise to use Snyder's term the promise of the premise of Commander in Chief was okay the one variable we're going to change is what if the president is a woman and let's see how that works. And most of the time they they do it really badly in the sense that everybody around her goes, she can't handle doing this and she's going to screw up this delicate diplomatic thing. <laughs> and then she comes in and makes really bad, simple choices. <laughs> and everybody goes, see, she's screwing it up. And then it all works out at the end of the episode. And we're supposed to root for her because she did the right thing somehow and completely ignoring the complexity of whatever situation it was that she was dealing with. And we're supposed to feel good about that for some reason. <laughs> so it's like the Bush presidency with a woman. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. That being said, there are a couple moments in the Russian episode one is, I think, the shining example of this. That is like, this is what the premise is. This moment right here is what this premise is. And the moment is, so like I said, they have the the delicate Russian situation that the Russian president is coming. And they have a summit at the end of the episode. And... The Russian president asks the American president, Gina Davis, to dance. And all her staff is like, you can't do that. The presidents can't dance with you. It's like a boy-girl thing. Yeah. And she she just goes, this is stupid. And they dance. And then later she's like, but I totally led. (laughs) And that's that kind of moment 
is what the show should have been about and 99 percent of the yeah. time is not uh i ended up just watching the, so. se- the seventh season of the west wing lately because me and my girlfriend have been watching through them in order rather slowly like we're on season three now like we've watched through i watched through it all the way i'm the first I'm time in it aired mid-season three right now so. mid-season three is it's good stuff the yeah, end of season good. two is really good too but anyway uh but i jumped ahead because i've been working from home and they're all on netflix now so i was just like watching the episode the season seven stuff because i wasn't even sure if me and Chloe were going to get there um and i was reminded I, did, I had totally forgotten about the live debate episode, which yeah, is super yeah, cool. Yeah. They did, for those who don't know, and it's on Netflix. You should just watch this as a standalone episode without even being a fan of The West Wing because it's literally nothing more than a live episode of The West Wing where it's the two candidates, the Democratic and the Republican candidates, having a debate. And it was basically a play. They just did it like a play. But what's really interesting about that, two things. One, they set up the beginning of the show like it's actually just another episode of The West Wing and they're about to walk on stage, but they're doing that live too. So they just had like, you know, seven. 17 cameras set up for the angle and as they're walking through the hallways they just cut to camera two cut to camera three and they're all lit even though it's all clearly like the 60i sort of live right. footage it's still kind of lit and glossy like the west wing but it's live and it's it's just an odd thing to see and the other cool thing it's is an odd combination every every show that goes on long enough does their live episode yeah yeah, yeah. Like. uh and then what's really cool is they had uh, I, they, they had been planning on maybe doing a live episode for a while because i thought it'd be cool but apparently they also ran uh, uh, th- they did polling not for like Nielsen purposes but they just did polling on that episode like they got Gallup to <laughs> figure out who won the debate he actually did the and, dial groups and uh, the Republican guy like really won like won hardcore like everyone had totally flipped because up until that point the season's mostly following the Democratic guy and you just see the Republican guy here and there and everywhere but it's oh, about the, and, oh and, Alan and, Alda is Vinnick yeah. yeah yeah he's perfect he's, he's, a, he's a dream Republican he's a Republican yeah. I would vote for if he existed in the real world yeah. and, and uh, I, I, I just I thought it was so interesting yeah. that they did like a Gallup poll on it and they're like oh fuck dude this guy destroyed it he should be the president <laughs> yeah that's the thing that should happen next is he should be and apparently they had like serious conversations about well we had the season planned but <laughs> everyone loves that character the, the people have spoken yeah exactly but the cool thing about it and you'll and you'll see this when you get there mike is that it's so oddly predictive uh in terms of like the obama parallel and my uh, understanding well, well even the season three four re-election of bartlett yeah when he has the de- they have that debate it's not a te- television yeah one. but, but they, when they have to that debate the guy, you know, the James Brolin, Mr. Streisand, um, he says, we have to give money to the job creators. And I mean, it's like, yeah. holy oh, shit. Back, that's exactly back to season one, they're talking yeah. about that they are harping on the Republicans for always saying, just cut taxes and create jobs. Yeah. And it's just the fact that the talking yeah. points have been that's the same for years the last ago. Yeah, years That's ago, exactly. I, I even commented on that. I'm like, yeah. I cannot believe we're still having the same yeah. arguments that the West Wing already dealt with. Yeah. The yeah. West Wing dealt with, but, much less the, the realities of politics and and there are plenty of instances of that but i got a real kick out of watching the episode where uh the surgeon general in an online chat says marijuana is not going to kill you instantly if you use it i got a kick out of rewatching that episode in a world where in one of our states marijuana is recreationally legal it's like we that you know two you're right two uh it it makes me feel good Did, that maybe yeah, the, the West, West Wing, Wing never stepped on the third rail of gay marriage or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like they, they I don't think they ever went near that. They, the only they, time they brought it up, he was like, "We're going to table this." No, yeah. they yeah they did they did bring it up. There there were a couple yeah. episodes where they brought it up, and then they they uh, they 
I think, as I recall, there was one where they said, we, "Yeah, we're for it, but it's not going to happen." I think that was yeah, that was that. Yeah, it's like it, it's like we, it was one of the things that we're, it's, we're totally with you. It was, it was yeah, there was there was a Republican congressman, and he was you know, right. there was the question about how can you be a Republican, blah blah blah. Right. It was because I believe in everything else except for this one issue, and so they did touch on it, but they never like center. You know, I think there are a couple other issues, but it's it's very much the what had been the Democratic line for a long time of, yeah, we're we're on this side, but we're not going to win the fight, so. We're not going to fight it. Yeah, and now we're winning the fight. Got to pick your battles and wait for wait for. And we'll never win that one. So why (laughs) would we even bother? Who knew? So there you go, Mike. You're enjoying it though. I am, yeah. So I'm going. I did you cry to... big manly tears during the two cathedrals episode? <laughs> well, no, because you everyone's always told me that shit. Yeah. Everyone's always linking yeah. to it on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so because I've I had I had already seen that scene, but now I knew who he was talking about yes, when right. he referenced all those people. So yeah. that that did make it somewhat Mrs. different. Have you gotten to the flashback yeah. episode between him and Mrs. Landingham back when he was in university? That's, that's, well, that's, that's the same episode. episode. Is it the same episode? Yeah. yeah. So that must be. It's the same episode when he answers the question, "Are you going to run again?" No, no. The, the season ends with him being asked the question. The beginning oh, of the season right, is, right, is the right, answer. That's right. the cliffhanger. But it ends with him putting yeah. his hands in his pockets and yeah. smiling and looking away. Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, so to, it's pretty much they're, they're just, telling you what it is. I just yeah. love that that actress playing young Mrs. Landingham nailed it. Yeah, so she hard. totally nails it. She, yeah. That's definitely true. like it's just like holy shit, lady. Jed, I don't even want to know you. So uh, yeah, it's pretty. And crazy. that's the episode with uh, Lawrence O'Donnell as yeah. Bartlett's yeah. dad. Yeah, which I rewatched that. I was like, whoa, my brain folded in on itself. Anyway, yeah. But so West Wing that'll keep you busy for quite some time. Yeah, seven well, seasons. The the uh, I the relationship to House of Cards, like House of Cards came yeah. out, and everyone's going, it's "Oh, the dark it's West like, Wing." It's like the Dark West Wing. I'm like, well, I yeah, I yeah. better finally get on West Wing so I can watch House you need of Cards to, now. You need to level the. You need to adjust your your scan so you yeah. can understand that. And and, uh, and so uh, so I did that, and I've been working on this thing. So I was like, oh, I can totally put on a you know four or five episodes of West Wing a day and just start powering yeah. through it. So um, so I've been getting through it and I do plan to continue watching because I'm enjoying it. But have you much. seen House of Cards? I'm not, no, I'm waiting oh, you, for it. Why are you going to oh, actually commit I'm to... watch West Wing and then well, I'm going to see Because it's Cards. probably more likely that West Wing is going to leave Netflix before House of Cards does. Yeah, Yeah, it's not getting, not getting into specifics for, for people who haven't seen it, but uh, we haven't really discussed House of Cards, which is, uh, you know... We talked about it for a second, but... You know, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, 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 now, I now have seen exist. all of it. I, I think when we talked yeah. about it before, I, I we were all in various stages. I've seen all of it now and it didn't it didn't finish as strongly for me as it started um yeah kind of kind of lost some steam in the last three or four episodes for me but uh but still an amazing thing an amazing piece of work i, I just love how you know that whole it gets better thing for bullying and all that if the, my, the, the motto for house of cards should be it gets darker yeah it gets worse <laughs> it gets darker <laughs> it gets worse it gets darker yeah, and I, know. Darker and darker. I just i it sounds to me like it's west wing meets game of thrones that's what it, it really kind sounds. of is yeah. yeah it kind of is if game of thrones was easier to follow yeah. <laughs> and, and there's an aspect of like I just I can't help but imagining what the West Wing people and the House of Cards people just like interacting in the same universe. <laughs> Except they're all Democrats. Like it, yeah, that's the thing is they're both shows are Democrats, so it's not yeah. like oh you can peg one to Democrats and the other to Republicans yeah. as one. Or well, you know one. how much flack they would have taken if they'd made this you know evil corrupt right. you know crazy guy. It would have been Republican. too on the nose. Yeah. Because <laughs> Republicans are evil. No one would buy that. <laughs> no one would believe that for a second. Um, but yeah, House of Cards is an amazing piece of work. It's, it's really quite something. I really do want them to just like pass Bradley Whitford in the in the hall one time or something. <laughs> just like do a double take. Yeah. Talking to Donna on the way by. Well, while, you know, God bless. I mean, they've already decided to do a second season, right? Well, that was part of the initial order, okay. wasn't it? Yeah, oh, okay. I, I don't know that's if the, yeah, that's, that's the question is, they, they keep talking about 26 episodes, of which obviously 
obviously only 13 have been shown. I don't Whether know if that means that there are 13, or... 13 other episodes in the can or were they half hour episodes? They've, I don't know what that means exactly. But that's that's been the number they've said is $100 million for 26 episodes. So I guess they've got 50, 50 million left over or whatever, but uh, however that works. But um, There's more coming. There's more coming. Yeah. Clearly, there's more coming because it's Netflix isn't saying – what their metric is for how it's doing, but it's um, doing damn but it's fine. Doing okay, everything. apparently. Whatever it is they wanted it to do, it's 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 achieving. That's so. good. I keep seeing like House of Cards billboards and shit, and I'm I'm almost proud of Netflix. I'm like, oh yeah. I, I mean, I saw Lilyhammer uh, billboards too, but I'm just yeah, proud no, they, of those they guys. Went, they went all in on it's the same way. I feel cards. when I see like a card at Fry's and that you know thing of like iTunes gift cards and Starbucks gift cards. When I see one that says Skype on it, I'm kind of like, oh. <laughs> You guys I used I do Skype when they were just you know it's like the opposite of the microphone. way I feel when I walk through the Angry Birds aisle at Fries. <laughs> oh, oh shit. god damn it! Yeah, remember like six months ago when Netflix was two breaths away from completely dying? No, it never was. It wasn't no, as liked as it is now, though. <laughs> but they had I'm a pretty bad PR month. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like the the overall narrative of Netflix. Like Netflix is storming Hollywood with House of Cards. Uh, and you know, like six months ago, it was like Netflix is a bunch of yokels that have no yeah. idea what the hell they're doing. Netflix doesn't know where their their content's going to come from because all the studios are turning around and mooning them. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, that was that was. That's why Netflix was like, "Well, fuck you." Then that we'll make the, a bunch of it ourselves. That was the crafting of a narrative by people whose job it is to yeah. sell you newspapers. Speaking yeah. of uh, stuff, have you guys seen any of the new season of Community? The Dan Harmonless Community? Never watched Community, never will. I haven't no. I haven't mm-hmm. seen... There's two episodes out. Yeah. I guess there'll be a third. What's funny is... I haven't... Not because I haven't wanted to. I just... Well, I guess I haven't wanted to badly enough to watch <laughs> them yet, but I do intend to watch I've seen them. the first two episodes of season four. What's weird is... The whole thing where they had pushed it back six months, like it was originally supposed to come out in like October. October, but it, yeah. Uh, what was odd is on Valentine's Day. Oh, they released a uh, Halloween episode? The Halloween episode. Yeah. Ended <laughs> up, and, and they didn't do anything about it. Like they couldn't fix the episode. They couldn't just change what the episode was about. So they didn't make it a thing where it's like, ha ha, we're just going to be wacky and celebrate Halloween on Valentine's Day because we're the people in community. It's just that the episode didn't air for six months. So the ad campaign for that episode the whole week was, ah, Valloween, blah, blah, blah. It's this. <laughs> but then in the episode, it's like, this is clearly just a Halloween episode, you guys. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're, seriously, I mean, it could have been a Christmas run, episode. In the long run, does that make any difference? Nah, no, fuck yeah. it's, no one's going to know. Six years that. from now, you're yeah. going to be watching it on Netflix yeah, in July it anyway. On Hulu, yeah. nobody yeah. cares. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've, I've watched both episodes. I've been a fan of Community for a while, and I was actually they haven't yeah, lost I, it. Lost. They haven't lost it. No, yeah. it's it's they're, they're still in the basic ballpark of the spirit of yeah. the show and, I, and they still have that meta awareness that, you know Abed has a line which I think is in the promos where it's like yeah. remember when this used to be a show about a community college and yeah. it's it's good yeah I, I, I got the sense that the 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 loss of Dan Harmon is going to be the loss of like the Dadaism of the freaking show where it's just <laughs> we're, we're in a video game this week and stuff like that where it's it's still going to have the same personality it's just not going to go to such weird extremes it's yeah it's it's still going to have this level of self-awareness it's just not going to try to go one level deeper every week yeah like it has been yeah which I mean I, I liked the going one level deep right. it's in this as we've talked about before I'm not sure that's good or not, but I'm glad somebody's trying it. Um, but uh, we don't yeah. have that now. But it's a, but but at what, the same what is time, there is still good. Yeah, it's like as long as they nail the characters and they're still funny, they don't need to do. It doesn't need to get 
progressively wackier until they take the president hostage or something. It's like, it can... It <laughs> Wait can, a minute. That it, sounds awesome. It can just be an, a, a show about these these doofuses at community college, you yeah. know, trying to get through life, which is what it was originally supposed to be. Um, and as long as it's funny, I don't think... I, I it, um, Sort of like Trey was saying, when we when we discussed it, when it was in, in a zone of being you know, scary because is it canceled forever or is it coming back or whatever? It may very well get more popular because it's probably about to become more accessible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's certainly a sweet spot of smart, but also accessible and certainly, certainly Dan Harmon's community was very, very smart, but maybe not very accessible. <laughs> it's a television show, so yeah. Maybe not so, so maybe much now that. it's closer to this this sweet spot. I mean, that we'll was see. the same problem with. Speaking of Netflix, that was the same problem with Arrested Development. Um, I watched I watched Arrested Development Still on Netflix. Can't get into it. I watched Arrested Development on Netflix, and I thought it was great. But I watched from the beginning and easily into season one and certainly into, by the time you get into season two I'm going there is no way you could turn on your TV to this episode and be able to make heads or tails of no. what has happened I had that experience with the pilot I, I made it into episode three and I was like this show is almost actively bothering me it didn't it didn't work for me at all it took me a long time to be able to watch an episode of 30 rock too like 30 mm. rock didn't work for me off the bat either and i'm still not 30, a huge 30 rock fan 30 rock isn't certainly isn't great at the beginning it's it they they hadn't figured it out early on they thought it was going to be about liz and tracy and when they figured out it was about liz and jack that's when it actually started to get pretty good fair enough trey you found anything lately i i have uh, i've been revisiting some things and i saw i there's a really and almost all of it's on netflix um Although I did, I did just uh, take the plunge and start a um, Amazon Prime. Ah, uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mike's evangelizing on the Amazon Prime, and I finally looked into it, and I was like, yeah, okay. It's kind of a, it's weird as far as the video selection goes, because of course it's kind of just like anyone else. It's kind of catch as catch can what their videos are. So you kind of go, well, what what f- I have Amazon Prime now. What free videos are there? Oh, that one! You know, it's like episode it's like, seven, of ex- season two of ex- Breaking Bad. Exactly. So you sort of have this kind of <laughs> random grab bag, and it's not as easy to like find the videos as it is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no, because you can search for video. They have all kinds of things on Amazon Instant, yeah. and you can search for anything, it's and a- it'll probably come up, but it's not necessarily a prime. Yeah, exactly. It's like oh, we is- we have that, but you can't see it for free. Yeah. So um, because it came up as possibly a. a uh, a movie we might do. I was like Iron Giant. I haven't seen that in a while, so I just rewatched Iron Giant. My God, Iron Giant is good. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God, that is a great Brad Bird. Is, we got a Brad Bird on our hands. Brad Bird, <laughs> damn man. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't. Were seen you surprised it. by how much it held up? No, well, I'm surprised by anything that I haven't seen in that long, and as you know, it's more than ten. You thought years it still old. work? You know, some things don't. Uh, for example, we'll get to the Emperor's New Groove in a second, but the um, but the uh, but Iron Giant was like Mike. It, it also has it has a sensibility that's so unusual and just i mean in terms of the the character work and the, some of the lines of dialogue and the sense of humor to it and the to, you know the topic in general and the it's, it's it's got a very interesting sensibility that i can i can't think of too many other cartoons you know feature cartoons that even have that vibe to them it's really quite incredibles maybe mm, red bird probably the closest yeah yeah, yeah um so it's, but it's, it's amazing. It holds up fantastically and it's, it's wonderfully entertaining. It's and Emperor's show. New Groove, because we also talked about that, is like funny gags for all of 
80 minutes. Uh, that's not even a 90 minute long movie. Um, it's 80 minutes total. But as we all know, you know, Emperor's New Groove was a huge train wreck, a famous mm-hmm. train wreck. Um, so I saw the sweat box. It's very interesting. I would really yeah. like to see the sweat I recommend box. it I would, if you can find it. Yeah, I, I looked and <laughs> uh, was not able to find it. Try again <laughs> next week. But um, but Emperor's New Groove is like, yeah, it's it's. You know, it's David Spade riffing I'm a llama, you know, and it's it's from moment to moment it's funny. Yeah. But it does it doesn't have you know it doesn't have the impact of yeah. the Iron Giant for it you. It doesn't have or 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 even, you know, any of the great Disney or Pixar movies. It just it's it's just it's it's gags for yeah. the sake of it's a burlesque. And it, you know, and entertaining at that level. But um it's amazing how it didn't you know I was like expecting like when it came to the end, I was like, Oh that's I guess that's all that's all there was is he he went for a long walk and learned a lesson. Yeah, I guess is what that was. Um, so it's it's a cute one, and I and I, I thought I was expecting more. Of course, it used to be a musical and ended up not being musical. I yeah. think that's probably where they would have done a, a production number at some point. The thing that I was always interested about Emperor's New Groove about, aside from the fact that it's one of the more quotable movies you'll ever see, um, is that. And I've never gotten any traction with anybody on this. No one agrees with me. But it's weird to me that listening to David Spade's narration <laughs> can sometimes sound indistinguishable from Edward Norton narration. Like there are whole yeah. parts of, of Emperor's New Groove where you're hearing David Spade talk that you could swear came from Fight Club. <laughs> like the, the words don't go for the Someone same movie. Someone should do a super cut where we switch the narration. Just somehow his voice has the exact same quality as Edward they Norton's. They have the same... They ha- they, I can agree I with them having kind of the same timber, but they're certainly not... The the tone of of Cusco's voice is certainly yeah. not the same as Jack. That would be a fun experiment to try to like. I could just see pictures of Ed Norton banging around his apartment. That llama is me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> pretty sad, right? Do it. We should do it. A fake trailer for that is Fight amazing. Club with the Emperor's New Groove narration. That's what I'm saying. Someone in the creations board do that shit. Yeah. Get on it right now. Where's but Paul I- Santagata? Go. But I do, I do, I... Harbin, someone, do it. I loved Emperor's New Groove. That would probably Groove. be like a great new surreal thing. Yeah, I loved Emperor's New Groove certainly for the gags. It, yeah, was, never, it was never for the It's story. entertaining. I didn't hate it at yeah. all. I was like, but it's amazing how like completely what, what fluff it turned out to yeah. all be. You know, it's like there's really nothing to that movie. But, but after, I, I think that was, that was almost a time and place thing because after how kind of somber or just plain bad a lot of, a lot of, you know, Movies like that had been animated. Hunchback in Notre Dame. Yikes. Exactly. That was a bummer of a movie. You just, so you go into Emperor's New Groove and it's like, oh my God, I'm laughing so much. Yeah, they're just just having fun for a change. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Whoa, you just reminded me of something odd that this is really interesting. Have any of you guys, I swear to God, this is relevant, but I have to start with what sounds like a non sequitur. Have any of you guys seen the early 90s Steve Martin movie Leap of Faith? Are sure. you familiar with this? One movie? of my favorite movies of all time. It's a great I evangelize it like crazy to you people. Evangelize. I, I've, been, no, I've been a fan of Leap of Faith <laughs> since I was a kid. I don't think I, you've ever mentioned Leap no, of Faith. No, he has. He wants to. He's mentioned wanting to do it on the show. I haven't Leap had of a chance Jad to watch it. Oh, it's a great movie. It. Anyway, it's here's amazing. the here's the elevator pitch for anyone who doesn't know. It's about this miracle worker sort of guy who you know he built, he puts up a tent and he evangelizes in the city and he heals the old ladies in the chairs. Yeah, he's and a faith it's a, healer. And it's about he's a faith healer and it's about how you know he's got the earpiece and someone's keeping track of the people. Basically, how he fakes it and then he encounters a quote unquote real miracle and dealing with. This crisis of faith as a guy who really never believed what he was selling to everyone to begin with. Blah, blah, blah. It's a great movie. Go watch it. It's wonderful. It's awesome. Also, Liam Neeson. Go. Yeah. See, you're in. He punches wolves, you guys. Yeah. No. Anyway. God damn But it. here's what's crazy. <laughs> here's what's crazy. He raises people from the dead. Let me pitch you this. I found out, and this all happened last year and I never knew about it and it's over now and I missed. I found out <laughs> that Alan Menken, you know, the guy who with Howard Ashman turned Little Shop of Horrors into a musical. 
did a musical version of Leap of Faith on Broadway last year. And oh, I was and I was like, man. that could have been the best thing that ever happened. That and as soon as suffering. I found out about it, he had just mentioned it like as an aside in a recent interview for like Enchanted or some shit. And I stopped and I was like, oh God, to Amazon just to hear the soundtrack and all that stuff. And I was, I mean, let me just set the stage here. Alan Menken and Howard Ashman have been responsible for really great musical adaptations and the songs are always awesome. And there's no better move like you could do so much with a musical based on leap of faith like that's a really people have to express their inner feelings kind of movie it's a perfect thing for a musical and alan Menken's the perfect guy to do it and it's, it's musical based anyway because it's all about gospel and yes the gospel and the, uh i, I meatloaf meat is the choir director yeah, yeah yeah what else can you ask for that musical got panned and closed in like oh, six weeks bummer. and then i listened to the actual soundtrack and it's not that good oh, and bummer. what's crazy is it's the Even entire shakespeare wrote bad plays yeah i know yeah. well the thing is we just don't talk we just don't know which ones yeah. they are yeah anymore. the thing about it is uh mencken went with uh as you'd imagine i guess uh, it went with a largely gospel sounding thing sure and there's actually not a lot of show tunes melodies to be found in gospel music it's more harmony than anything else it's not mm. like people sing this huge vocal line that you can remember you know i can show you the world that doesn't happen in gospel music it's you know it's people clapping and singing these great sort of hymnal songs but they don't have a melody like that and that just yeah, doesn't little work light of mine doesn't go very yeah far exactly <laughs> in the melody exactly like that doesn't work on broadway like in addition to the fact that people just didn't take to the show the music wasn't hummable and it's it's it bummed me up like because i'm a huge fan of alan Menken, i'm a huge fan of leap of faith and i found out that oh my god that's perfect and then it didn't work it was this really upsetting thing like i didn't find out that something that i thought would have been amazing sucked until a year later and i found it all out on the same day it's like god damn it that's a bummer well well just, I want him to just try again. Just do it again. It'll work this time. <laughs> One more time. <laughs> they got Spider-Man to work eventually on, <laughs> on Broadway. No, but seriously, do I, check out I hope, Yeah, I, I seriously hope someone was documenting that entire process. You know they had to be, oh whether they'll ever let us see it or not. I feel like we would have seen that documentary by now yeah. if that were the no, case. No, not yet. The show's still running. It's, uh, it's going to be under lock and key for a while. Well, I, geez, yeah, if we're going to bring... Now I want to watch Leap of Faith again. Um, it's an amazing... It's a great movie. Uh, it's it's It was the movie that Ralph Singleton produced right after he produced Pet Cemetery 2. And that's the only reason that I was aware of it. I was like, oh, Steve Martin is an, an evangelical what? Faith healer guy with yeah, a glitter ball jacket. It's, it's, it's the most I've, I've never seen, I can't think of any or, or none come to mind at all, any examples of a movie that manages to walk that line of cynicism and you know heart because because he's you know he's a guy who's a he's a huckster and he knows it and he fully admits it because steve martin's character and he's amazing in the role you know and it's about how he you know he, he encounters something that may or may not be a genuine thing and and you know you're for me i'm always afraid how a movie like that's going to blow the dismount because it's like because you know you know the the standard everything angels are real at the end it's like well the movie doesn't go there at all yeah thank god and it's it manages to find an ending that i thought you know if you no matter what you believe you're okay with this ending yeah it manages to be ambiguous and positive at the same time Trey, it'd be a perfect musical <laughs> i know god, what a what great fuck, musical Alan? it would be and uh it's no one loves you more than me i was so amazed that it made it all the way to the end without you know veering off in either direction of being just totally cynical or totally smarmy and it does a know, weird gainer and it lands it totally it sticks the landing and you you really thought it wasn't going to it's an amazing and everything he's doing of course are real things that real fake yeah. evangelists have used you know you can read any of james Ramsey's Randy, these books oh, yeah. about Peter the earpiece, Pop off Peter Popoff, and on the earpiece, and how you, you know, all the tricks they do. They, they're just, it's also a, pre, a, a primer on that. Um, so yeah, leap of faith. There you go. Put that. Speaking on the list. of James Randi, his documentary just got funded. 
Oh no, kidding! I threw in a I threw in a quite a, a lot because I liked one of their prizes uh, or one of their like donation level pledges. Was it on prizes? Kickstarter? Yeah, it was on Kickstarter. Well, I oh, promise nice. you, you're going to hear the Peter Popoff story because well, every yeah, time yeah. he sits down and opens his mouth, he talks about he's Peter. Got Popoff. that one. Well, he's got video of that. Anyway, uh, it also Yellow, turns out that it's yes. the fourth most funded documentary movie ever nice. on Kickstarter. Like it nice. made something like a little less than three hundred grand, nice. which is cool. Uh, and they've put up. They've like always. They've been almost annoyingly. So, present in my email chain like update 36 like okay guys Get so after up. fees and prizes they should keep a whole well, I don't know like yeah, 20, get about $70 20, left over that's yeah, fantastic yeah, yeah you know, so, I'm sure they'll save about $250,000 on that well that's great but all the footage they've been putting up looks great they've got like what look you know they have little snippets of interviews here there and everywhere just to pimp the movie but like great interviews with like Tim Minchin and Penn Jillette and Adam Savage and the whole uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson like the whole roster of the guys uh, that you want to have talking awesome. about that are in it and uh, it's called uh Oh God! Like the truthful liar or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. and an honest liar, the James Randi story, and uh, it looks awesome. That's great. I'm worried that it's going to go off onto a weird thing because he's he came out a few years ago, and it turns out like his boyfriend or something is like 20 years his junior like he's a younger guy than him and <laughs> which makes him, says 60. makes him 70 yeah. yeah which makes him 105 but he ended up i guess from what i've gathered he ended up in this weird sort of jaily sort of something or other insurance fraud something like that and i'm worried that the documentary is going to talk about that too much where it's like i that's cool that's a good like c plot human interest thing but james randy could really fill a documentary so let's be careful with the weird thing with his boyfriend but it just looks awesome uh, but I'm a fan of James Randi, so I would feel it was awesome. I just watched because it was on Netflix, and I just said, eh, I'll give it a try. And I thought it was actually fascinating. It was uh, Everything or Nothing, which is the documentary about the history of the James Bond movies. Oh. Um, it's just a little thing. It's just tied to Quantum of Sol- to uh, Skyfall. It's just a little thing. But it's like an hour and a half long, and it just documents all the way from Ian Fleming and, you know, writing these books. And, yeah, no one ever is going to want to read these and all that kind of stuff. And how the and, – and Saltzman and Broccoli, the original producers. And, and – in in kind of broad strokes, but goes over pretty much the entire history of it and some, you know, which I which I lived, so I knew a lot of it. But uh, you know, the, how the the changing of the bonds and and of course all the bonds are still with us. Uh, but Connery, of course, didn't deign to be interviewed, but uh, the rest of them are in there. You know, Pierce Brosnan and the great heartbreak of going to be Bond and then finding out he wasn't going to be Bond after all. Right. And then years later getting to be Bond again. Um, I guess Timothy Dalton, no, Timothy Dalton did do it. does do the interview. Still my favorite Bond. Um, but that's actually, if you want to, especially if like, you know, Mike was just saying that he's rewatching the, the, the movies right now yeah, or I'm, for the first time. It's, it's a nice companion piece, you know, to sort of understand the, the bizarre history of, especially when, when you, if you, if you know the, the movies, then you know, there's this weird scenario with Casino Royale and Thunderball where other, those aren't owned by the original owners. So Casino Royale could get, that's why we have the comedy version of Casino Royale with Woody Allen in it. Um, and that's why we have Thunderball got remade off the off the charts by I've never even heard of Thunderball. It's the fourth movie, fourth or fifth one. It was one of their first big epic ones. Huh. Um, but Thunderball was they they needed money, so they sold the rights to somebody else, or there was a there was a rights deal. But this other this other person who wasn't the Bond producer had the rights to that particular story. So he's just selling it off to whoever. Well, he he made it again. He made, yeah. he, he retitled it Never Say Never Again, and and put Connery in it, and said, "Now this is the real Bond." And you know, and they came so it was came out opposite the real James Bond movie. Weird. And, so so Connery remade his own movie. Yeah, <laughs> he he did a he they came, after he had quit the Bond films. Uh-huh. He, he did he did the back. other guy's Bond film. 
which was a remake of. I'll bet you that guy was psyched. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, yeah. casting George Takei in your Star Trek. And there was a, this, a, so it goes into that the whole weird legal battles and you know well who you know they tried to stop him of course they tried to buy him out they tried to you know co-produce it with us or whatever and he was like no screw you guys I'm going to make my own Bond film I'm going to be I'm going to be the Bond guy now I've got Connery ha ah, Jack you know screw you so it's the weird tortured history how know? was the doc I mean did you enjoy it it was it's like I said broad strokes but it's you know it's I, I didn't really know that much about the uh, the producers and their history and Saltzman and Broccoli and I knew Saltzman and Broccoli we always knew that those were the producers of of uh, of the Bond films but you know they're, they're, and they, you know, their kids are being interviewed and what, what was it like to grow up and you know be in the world of you know we were, our childhood was James Bond you know we were going around the world shooting these movies and you know I almost forgot to bring this up but I'm glad I remembered when, you, when we were talking about documentaries just a second ago uh, I just saw this uh, documentary that Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters and Nirvana <laughs> I was about to say I was about he to was say I saw it. you saw it I saw Sound it City on your, anyway yeah, it's called Sound City and Dude, this uh, this documentary just hit me so hard. I thought it was amazing. A, the thing that surprises me the most above everything else is that Dave Grohl is apparently like a really cool, good director. Like it had style and the pacing was great and it really worked for me. It could have been a shitty navel gazing documentary and it wasn't. So high five, Dave Grohl. Now he had up up until the end, you could easily exactly. go without knowing that he, that he was anyone more than one of the people interviewed yeah. for it. Now here's the here's the pitch. Sound City was this particular still uh, is yeah well. Sort of. Um, it was this record producing place. Like, this is where they go to, you know, do their album and the producer studio. works. It was a recording studio. Uh, and it's it, multiple studios, actually. Yeah. And uh, just out in the valley, this random sort of dumpy place that in the 70s, they just started recording albums there that were huge and it got better and better. And for like a 10 year period there, from like mid late 70s to mid 80s, like, all the best shit came out of this one dumpy place in the valley and people would start going there because it was the place where they had done this record or that record and it's a truly amazing litany of these perfect fucking albums where it's like I can't believe this shit this is amazing and it's doing the history of this particular place and all the people that came in and came out and it got great interviews with all these wonderful people blah 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 and uh, one of the things about it aside from the fact that it had like completely arbitrarily perfect acoustics for doing you know drum recording it also had this one board of which there were only yeah. four ever made it was mm -hmm. called a neve board and it just for some reason or another just the way it was wired the way that some amps sound better and some mics sound better this board just sounded perfect it was a really wonderful warm thing and when sound city eventually had to close shop dave Grohl bought the board brought it into his house and then the last 20 minutes or so of the documentary is him cutting a record with a bunch of artists who had recorded there in the past so it's like it's gone from being this sort of historical documentary about this place through time and it becomes this weird fly on the wall watching Dave Grohl write a song with Paul McCartney and with Trent Reznor sort of thing uh, but just generally especially the first you know 80 minutes but the last 20 as well Sound City was just awesome did you like it? I did I really liked it a lot although I did I, um, I agree with everything you just said so I don't need to re re repeat it but um, I did find it slightly amusing and ironic that he was part of the, the documentary. It doesn't spend a whole lot of time on it, and it, it slightly tells the other side of the story. But because of the Neve board and stuff like that, it, and a good chunk of the documentary is about talking about how digital technology kind of killed the the art in in yeah. music producing and stuff like that and it points out that Trent Reznor uses technology and sampling and stuff like that a lot but but he uses it the right way you know and, and so it's basically the, <laughs> no the true Scotsman would no, not yeah. do it the right way but what amused me was sometimes the camera 
the cameramen will catch each other's. And it was shot on GoPros and Epics. It was cut on an Avid. <laughs> that was like a completely not seeing, not understand. And I, I mean, it made the point that that it also made the point that uh, uh, you know because because of digital technology, everything got so much cheaper, and people could. One of the one of the reasons Sound City got into trouble was because you can produce an album that sounds pretty damn good yeah. that that's releasable for you know a, a couple grand in a garage. You don't have to go somewhere like Sound City anymore. And, and and again, I thought it was kind of. I'm not calling him a hypocrite or anything. I just found it a little bit amusing that it's the like, juxtaposition. The juxtaposition of that's how your mo- you got to make a movie though. <laughs> like, right. You can make a documentary. About if this that movie exact was called Kodak, movie. you'd yeah. look like assholes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. But um, but oh, Sound City yeah. was super cool, and you can actually. If you're anywhere near it in a theater, I recommend you see it in a theater because a good sound mix. It's already also on Netflix. But you can also get it. uh, You could get it for seven dollars on YouTube. You could download it from the website for the movie for like ten or twelve dollars. And I think it just went up. It went up on Amazon. I believe it is. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you can actually watch it now, and it was super cool. And again, the documentary side of it. I don't know what Eddie would say about it. Uh, He has more authority to talk about the way a documentary is put together but it was cut by the guy who did dogtown and z boys it was written such as a documentary is by the guy who wrote the cove and is directed by dave grohl but somehow the resulting doc is really watchable like I, really fun i like and cool the, the, and it keeps the, moving it uh, i don't think it was a del- deliberate thing but he it seemed like grohl kind of brought his musical sensibilities to it in the sense that they talk about at the end um part of the fun of it as opposed to the very kind of process digital thing and, and making something in your garage you know there was a there was a time where you would just go into the studio and kind of just jam and then you'd yeah. be like that's that's kind of cool let's do that again and then you come out with an album after a couple of weeks that's, like you yeah. had no plan you just that's went how in you do it and if you, you can that. afford it that's how you do yeah, it yeah and that's kind of what this documentary felt like because it felt like he went in with kind of a plan and then a little along the way stuff started to happen well, and and he started getting I imagine he, he, he just started by by wanting to just do an homage to Sound City and the heritage of it and interviewing yeah. people like hey t- talk about Sound City for a little well, while. Well he ta- he even he yeah. there's even an interview where he's like okay here's what happened. So yeah. like towards the end he's like this started I just wanted to do a thing about the board and then it turned into a thing about Sound City and then everyone started talking about it and then I wound up falling in love and I bought the board and now we're doing this really? thing. <laughs> well I haven't I haven't seen it I, I I'm look I want to see it because of course I've spent a lot of time at Sound City because that's where we shot Return of Pink 5. So, no sh- Shit. Yeah, there you go. That's my connection to Sound City. Now, did they get into Skeeter at all, the guy who owned the place? Yeah. Why, why yeah. did they interview the, you then? Because <laughs> uh, I'm not a musician. We, oh. we didn't record uh, sound there. But we shot, that's where we shot the all the, the catwalk scenes, our big interior scenes of uh, they were all shot at Sound City. Whoa. Uh, I don't know if they got into Skeeter particularly, but they got into the guy who owned the Skeeter place. Skeeter was a trip. He's a, and he's also, guy. is he sort of an Elton John looking sort of dude? There's, there's a guy who Skeeter's owned the place. An old, an old southern dude. He's like a Texas man. He's from Texas or something like that. He was, it, he was the owner at the time. Uh, and had been for, for ages. They got they, they, they talked to both the guy who owned it for quite Tom a while. Skeeter. But you call it, he's, he's an elderly dude. You call him Skeeter. I think, maybe. I think so. Um, he, the guy who I'm thinking of, both the guy I'm thinking of her in the trailer, so you'll know if you watch it. But and also some other guy that was like running the place for a long time. So yeah, so you, you go out in Skeeter's office, which was like straight out of the '70s. You know, it hadn't been changed, wood paneling and everything else. And you know, you, you want to try and get Skeeter telling stories. You know, it's like, and uh, you know, just you know, we knew the history from being there. You know, just like you know, we'd wander around the studios and look in the, you know, look in the other people because people people were still recording and people are coming and going all the time and they see us in the parking lot practicing lightsabers and they're like, what are you guys doing? You know. 
So because it's weird, it's this weird little semicircle of independent studios all in one building. Is it up in like Sunland? Like where is? No, it? no, it's right up the four hundred five. Yeah, it's, see, it's it's, a, it's up by yeah. Northridge, huh? Because like I the, yeah. oh, it's right by the Budweiser it's factory. By the Bud factory. Yeah. That comes yeah, exactly. up in the documentary. Yeah, you said it smelled like shit all the time. Exactly. <laughs> so I, um, I thought that I thought the Budweiser factory smells like Cheez-Its or something. Yeah, it's a, it smells like hops. But uh, but we got to hang out at Sound City a lot and hang out with Skeeter and 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 people would tell you the history and like oh yeah Kenny Loggins used to sleep in a van in the parking lot all the time before he got big and and it just it had all these weird little cubby holes and strange little you know, oh yeah that's where that used to be and this used to be that and all that kind of stuff but Steve if you look Nick's at met, you know, look at any of the right there and look at any of the making of Return of Pink Five when we're shooting on that on that green screen set where we shot the X Wing stuff and the that Sound City you're looking at Sound City. Oh my God, Trey, that's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so when, shit, I, when I saw Dave Grohl's doing a documentary at Sound City, I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'll just check that out. And also, I mean, just it's a, a lot of the music that they, they talk about in the first half is stuff that my dad listened to when I was growing up. So it's stuff that I love. And then a lot of the stuff in sort of the second half is all bands from the 90s that I experienced when they were happening. So it's it's it was perfectly suited for my musical taste, which was odd. Oh, speaking of which, I'm amazed that they had the budget to license all of that music. No shit. Yeah. Holy crap. Uh, I'm sure Trent gave them a deal on his stuff. But what's <laughs> the, the other fun thing about it is that well, the you very get different end, licensing for documentaries than for. Oh, do you? Stuff. Oh, I didn't know I think that. so. Well, you you get film festival licensing, I know for sure. Oh, yeah, but they're, they're selling it though. <laughs> they're they're past film festival licensing. Well, yeah, yeah. It's and the other cool that, thing is, but... just at the end, you see him writing a song with Paul McCartney, and you've never seen a more adorable shit eating grin than Dave yeah. Grohl when he's writing a song with Paul McCartney. Because the whole time he's just like, "Oh my god, oh my god." Yeah. I just Dave Grohl is one of the first people I met. Like one of the first jobs I did, I met Dave Grohl on that, and just like. Likeable dude? Really likable dude. Like, yeah. I was just holding a boom pole, and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm a big fan. He's like, oh, cool. What's your name? Just really you're awesome like, dude. Todd, shit, Brian. And, and, it's, and it's like my second <laughs> week. It's like my second week here or something. God knows what, but yeah. It was still a glittery time. Yeah. Was, I, he's I a think, cool dude. I think I've told this anecdote before. I've only ever seen him once, and I saw him from afar. I was at the Grove. We were doing something, like seeing a movie at the Grove or something. But I saw Dave Grohl. Oh, like over there, like th 30 yards over there on the sidewalk over there with his kid on his shoulders. And then I kind of noticed across the street from him, hey, that's Michael Keaton. So now, yeah. now I got this whole thing going on. I'm like, hey, there's Dave Grohl and Michael Keaton. What's crazy? And then while that's happening, I see them recognize each other from afar. <laughs> so like I see I'm like looking at I'm going back and forth like, oh, look at these. This is so cool. It's the group. And then I see Dave Grohl look to where Michael Keaton is. And then Grohl goes. Like he has that, hey, hey face. Michael Keaton. <laughs> and Michael Keaton kind of gives him the sort of grin point, like, hey, what's up, man? And then Dave Grohl is like, ah, and he waves. <laughs> and then th they went their separate ways. But I got to watch that happen. It was a weird moment. <laughs> We're famous. I know. <laughs> We're famous. Holy shit, you're famous. You're Batman. I'm the guy that lived. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Sound City, man. Check it out. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing it I, because it's, it's you know, I, I've been all around that place. So I was like, oh, it's going to be nice to see a documentary about it. Brian, you got anything? Stuff you've uh, experienced lately? Well, right now, I recently I did season two of Downton Abbey. And just as, as of this morning, literally, I have caught up as far as PBS has aired. Season three. No spoilers. No spoilers. Well, you uh, go ahead. I'm going to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my I God. Mean, can you believe that happened? I, I either... I would not be the first person to tell you to go see Downton Abbey or not, so there's no point. Uh, I'll actually tell you what I'm specifically not watching for the next few weeks. Uh, I have decided for the first time to give something up for Lent, which is I'm not going to watch The Daily Show for the next 40 days. That'll be hard. Colbert? Uh, 
I'm still watching Colbert. Ah, well, no, I'll tell <laughs> the spirit of Lent. No, 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 no. I'll, no, the spirit is exactly this. I've been watching The Daily Show literally since before John Stewart was the host, almost 15 years. Who is it before him? Craig? Craig Kilborn. Oh yeah. And in for a long time, I've held this really like hipster pride that I was watching The Daily Show before anybody. Before it was a big thing, I knew what The Daily Show was, and I watched it. And so I've kind of like held on to that, but. As time has gone on, I've realized that I don't really actually enjoy watching it anymore. Really? I don't think it's that particularly funny. It's gotten to be Jon Stewart making a lot of faces. And drawing out punchlines for as long as he possibly can. And the writing I just is, just seems really lazy to me now. And his whole af- affectation of him just trying to hold a funny face for 15 or 20 seconds has gotten on my nerves more and more and more as time has gone on. Do you like the Colbert Report more now? Yeah, Colbert Report. Well, it as seems a, like you're giving up the easier one. Well, <laughs> what, I, what I'm attempting to do is not do something purely because it's a habit. This is the ah, attempt. Ah, I see. Colbert Report, mm-hmm. I still get enough enjoyment out of that it's worth my time to watch you just it. just instinctively click play every time. Well, Colbert Report, I think, is far and away at this point the real comedic genius in, in that in yeah. that pair. Um, so what I'm trying to do is not watch it simply because it's been a habit to watch it for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lent is 40 days, right? Yeah. When does that start? Uh, three, four days ago. Oh, how's it going so far? Oh, well, it's a, there have been I, I, yeah, actually, after the fact, I <laughs> realized sure, this is actually easier than I thought it would be because it's only four You're days only skipping a week. like 12 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> a while ago, I tweeted like, so I've only sk- actually skipped one so far. When are they going to change the name to the once or twice a week, every month or two show? Yeah. Daily shows off the air a lot. That's the joke. Anyway. Cool. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you this in terms of other stuff I found recently. I just picked up for the first time uh, and read, uh, Tom Lennon and Ben Garant's screenwriting book. Oh yeah, writing okay. movies for fun and profit. That, yeah, that is a hilarious fucking it's funny book and true. It's yeah, I mean it, it <laughs> has all real. It has the air of like pragmatism to it, but it's also just hilariously funny. If you don't know, it's not like a Blake Snydery sort of how to write movies book. It's like a how to pitch movies book. Like it's a how to work in the system to make you know the kind of movies that they write. Uh, you know, Night at the Museum and shit like that, and get paid a lot of money to write big Hollywood movies that you don't actually care that much about, and how to deal with revisions and what that means when they tell you to go to that parking lot instead of that parking lot and where to yeah. find a good bar and the location of all the in and outs and you know this kind of thing and it's it's just hilarious it's written by thomas lennon and ben garant you might know them from like the state or reno 911 thomas lennon is dangle he's the guy that had the shorts that guy who's been into all the movies all the movies as like a walk-on role usually as either a gay or a hipster role but whatever including dark knight rises for like yeah as the doctor for yes no reason. he showed yeah. up for a second and i forgot about that but anyway it's hilarious like i i ended up buying funny. it off of amazon sort of like i should buy this because i have faith that it will be worth my dollar and it totally was really funny book it is but it's actually also generally yeah. accurate yes it's actually it's actually got re- there's real advice in there yeah yeah it's good stuff which is very very odd but true Anyway, I totally recommend that book. It's the, the, the hilarious version of the Blake Snyder thing. Mike, have you read it? No, I want to. I need want to borrow uh, it. Sure, if you got it. Yeah, yeah. It's in my bathroom. Okay, I'll oh, grab it. Perfect bathroom I book. I just got. Can, I just yeah, got yeah, out pick of it there. up and read around in it anywhere you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm happy with my bathroom book collection. I have the uh, Art of Drew Struzan, which is this big, wonderful coffee table book. I've got two. Uh, the Book of General Ignorances from QI. Nice. Um, and uh, I've got Nathan Rabin's The AV Club Guys, uh, My Year of Flops, which is him spending every single day watching some flop and writing up whether or not it's a uh, a fiasco or a failure or a secret success, like, you know, Heaven's Gate and shit like that, um, which is fun. 
fun and then also writing movies for fun and profit. By and, the way, there's a there's a documentary coming out about Drew Struzan. Have you heard about this? Have you Ooh. seen the poster? Yes, I have. It's terrible. It's, <laughs> that's, that's the best Chad part. Chad tweeted it's, it like an hour ago. The, if you read the best part of it is that it's off, an awful If, if you read Struzan's book, he is like openly hostile to Photoshop head photo uh, posters. Yeah. And I almost wonder, like someone, I saw that first on Ain't It Cool and someone in the comments, I think is right. Like he was halfway down. He had said, this must be a joke. Like this is probably, because his son did it. Like whatever, you know, Bobby Struzan or whatever his, his son is, did that poster. And I, I have to imagine that it's actually them being like, this is the absolute perfect of the antithesis of what Drew Struzan stands for okay. poster. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I wouldn't believe that unless it was so perfectly awful. It, it's just an extra way for once you come out of the documentary to look at all the other posters in the, in the lobby and go, like, there has they're be, all terrible. Like, there has to be a colossal irony to the Drew Struzan documentary having a crappy poster. Yes. A crappy Photoshop poster. <laughs> that can't be unintentional. Yeah, well I just imagine like the, the documentary ends, we haven't seen it yet, it's not out yet but i bet you like the documentary ends and like it ends with like this perfect punchline cut to the actual poster for the movie and it's like a laugh moment <laughs> like a big psych, psych like that kind of thing at the end because the poster gotcha. is so heinously bad it's just a picture of a washed out sort of pale like against the white background shot of drew's face and it's mostly out of focus and it's got this really crappy photoshop 101 page turn on the top right corner and it's <laughs> there's actually even what's fucked up is there's actually a grammatical error on the poster it does wow. that thing where if you have like you know three lines of text like if you break up a sentence over three lines uh you might not notice that the top line ends in the and the second line begins in it yeah. it's got one of those <laughs> you're kidding me. i'm not kidding it's right there oh yeah what's no the, this is a joke this is clearly okay. now that you pointed that out trolling yeah. the actual thing it's broken up line one a personal look at the line two the most po- uh, important illustrator line three of the last 100 years a personal look at the the most important <laughs> illustrator it's it's, well, it's oh wow e- yeah, yeah there's see? an extra the exactly no that it, is, that is always deliberate they're trolling it's they're totally gotta trolling. be a joke it's gotta be a joke that's fantastic yeah. Because, I mean, oh, Trey, have you seen the poster? I'm looking at it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, oh, it's, I know, it's, it's awful. Like, I could do this poster. Yeah, anyway. So I'm, I have this conspiracy theory that it's a joke, man. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> because if not, it's truly a sad state of affairs. Like the, the page turn at the top is, is yeah, what, what convinces what the hell me is of that? that theory. And why clouds? That's like, I don't yeah. get any of it. Yeah, like, I have like to imagine it's background. a joke. Because I, I, I. I, I can't cry because I have to laugh sort of thing. That's <laughs> but <awesome>. anyway. <laughs> I cannot scream. I have no mouth. <laughs> wow. Anyway. That's fantastic. But I'm totally well, looking forward to it. I hope there is a real documentary. And, you, and by the way, if you're... <laughs> If you're even a fan of, uh, of movie posters at all, or like just like having coffee table books, seriously get the, the Drew Struzan book. It is outstanding. Yeah. It's got not only full f- page prints of all of his greatest posters, but he's got explanations, like the whole story behind the poster. And also he puts in his, what he calls comps, his like sketchpad versions of all of the posters. Like here's the 19 Radioland Murders posters that we didn't end up doing, but here are my ideas for them. And it's just, it's wonderful. And it's a really cool book and timeless and wonderful. And it's got, you know, all the Back to the Future and, you know, Jones and the thing and Harry Potter and Star Wars posters. It's great. It's great stuff. Hellboy. Yeah, Hellboy. And Darabont wrote the foreword, and you will never imagine Darabont as being more like Trey until you read the way he talks about <laughs> he's like these fucking kids, I swear to God, and this and that. And Darabont is so cool in the opening, and he's like, and Drew Struzan's a genius, and fuck this whole Photoshop posters thing, which makes me think the Photoshopped poster for the doc is a joke. Anyway, it's it's good. Pick up Drew Struzan's book if you have any even passing interest. It's totally worth whatever they're charging you for it. You know, up to thirty bucks. Don't go past that. But you know, <laughs> give or take. I think I got it for more like, than that. I think bullshit. I got it for like seventeen ninety nine on I Amazon. I paid seven thousand dollars for it's, it. It's a, yeah. Anyway, 
They threw in a copy of Sled Driver, though, while they were at it. $1,000 for a copy of Sled Driver on Amazon. What the... F- Jesus, dude. SR-71s are cool, though. Yeah. You can get it. And I can get an SR-71 for 1000 bucks. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I've... Here's a here's a left field one. I'm just gonna throw this throw this out because I don't think I've said this before, and I, and and this why not say it here? Oh my god, he's gonna come out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're Jody Foster. Well, that was always intuitively obvious. The we've we've mentioned before, like Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid. Oh my god, it's awesome. And I recently we rewatched Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid, and it totally holds up. And if you haven't seen Butch Cassidy Sundance Kid, it's great. You should see it. I'm here to advocate for the young idiots. I I enjoyed it too. Go watch it. There it's you fine. go. It's it doesn't completely hold up. It's got a couple of things you kind of go, yeah, but overall it's amazing and and great. But uh, having not seen it in equally along as long or longer, that made me go, ah, I should rewatch The Sting. The Sting is amazing. Yeah, The Sting holds up. The Sting could have been made yesterday if Paul Newman was still alive and 30 years younger. It doesn't feel dated because it's a period piece, which helps. But it, the style of it, have you, have you seen this? I, I saw The yeah. Sting after Butch Cassidy, and I'd heard for so long about it's a Best Picture winner and, yeah. and all of that. So I haven't seen it. Brian, have you seen it? Uh, I don't think I've seen the whole thing. Like, would it, would but, it be like but, a diff candidate? Maybe if, you, if you see it and like if, it, yeah, you should yeah, see yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, but uh, if it's a movie you should see because it's. I was struck by because I hadn't watched it in a long time and I knew it really well because I'd seen it back in the day. Um, I was struck by how just there's not a there's not a for me know, not a wasted minute at all. Not, it's just like it's just pure boom. Just it works. The performances. It's amazing. I was piece of work. I was really when I saw it, um, and it's been a couple of years, so I should rewatch it. I've got yeah. it on Blu-ray because I liked it that much, but yeah. I haven't watched it since. Um, but uh, yeah, it was 1971. So I went in giving it a handicap. Yeah, you kind of like, expect like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a little, it's, little clunky. It's going to be slow. Be slow. Take it. And then you're blown away. I'm just going. This is great. No, I'm not amazing. bored. I'm it doesn't, not, it doesn't feel dated at all, and it's a, it's a beautiful. It's amazing. You know, it's like everything you all oh, look at the you know, great directors we have working now. George Roy Hill, who also who directed both, he directed both that and Butch Cassidy. George Roy Hill, amazing. He does like wonders. You see wonders oh, yeah. going on. There's wonders going, on. and just the beautiful choreography of the. They come here and then they stop here and they have part of the conversation and it's a beautiful frame there. But then, then he crosses and comes back this way and now we've got this angle over this way. That was you know that's not a new thing. It's like yeah. people have been doing that. But, well, a, that's that. That's especially not a new thing. Nobody does that anymore. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful beautifully shot. It's the performances are dead on and it's a great engaging story. And, you know, don't let anyone tell you anything about the story because that's part of the fun. It's about it's about, you know, uh, confidence men. It's about scams. So cool. In the chat, Zarben says, oh, the sting is my favorite carpenter horror flick. All those bees. Yeah, (laughs) that too. Yeah. (laughs) But no, the sting. Check it out. It's uh, for a film. Yeah. From the film 1971. I'm going to hate it. Nope. Run, don't walk. Give it a shot. Give it a try. See, see what you think. That was my experience. I I mentioned it some time ago, but uh, that was my experience with Dog Day Afternoon. Mm. Like, for some reason, I had it in my head this entire time. There was like a cop movie. Uh, A, no. Kind (laughs) of. Sort of. Uh, But also, B, like, that was the most watchable movie I've ever seen in my life. It was so much fun. And I think it's still on Netflix. So that's, again, the young idiot recommends that old movie. So you can go for it. Um, But fuck, I love that movie, too. Uh, I need to watch The Sting. Along yeah. those lines, I just recently watched uh, Escape from Alcatraz for the first time. Never ah. had seen that before. And very much a similar kind of feel like, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> I did not have to give this as much of a handicap as I thought it would. You bring as much pavement as you thought. <laughs> exactly. I saw uh, the new Soderbergh movie, um, Side Effects, the other night. Oh. Soderbergh is good at this. 
Like he's, he's done a, do he's, he's dropped a ball here or there, but like all of his recent stuff where he's just making something where it's like, this is clearly not a studio grab. This is like a movie he wants to make. He's just really good at this. And I guess he's been talking lately about stopping, like not making movies anymore. That's what he's been saying. Yeah. And I, it's, it's even, it's a bigger bummer after watching that one. Cause it's, they they have to play it really, they have to do the thing. You know, there's two trends in trailers these days. There is put the entire movie in the trailer. And then there is, I have no idea what that's about. <laughs> uh, and because there's such a weird sort of between act one and act two thing that happens, they have to just sort of set up the movie with the stuff that happens in the first 30 minutes. And it's like, oh, it doesn't make for a good trailer. But this is Rooney Mara, Jude Law, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Uh, go see it. It's this sort of interesting who is backstabbing who and how does it work sort of thing. Like it's not, it's not a whodunit. It's not a standing room drama. It's one of those who is actually in control of the situation, sort of psychological thrillers. And it's really cool and really tense. And Rooney Mara is, remains a stalwart. Um, (laughs) And and I've never liked Jude Law more in a, in a movie and it's great. An odd thing about that, by the way, is for a second, there's a, there's a, Oh, and Channing Tatum's in it for a moment. Who the fuck is Channing Tatum? No, I have no idea. Um, there's a there's a whole thing that takes place at a prison for a second and the exterior like leaving the prison place is the same thing from the end of like oceans 11 or whenever the prison thing happens in the oceans 11 series it's like it's the same one i'm like i wonder if he knows the guy that owns that prison probably or what <laughs> or if he just liked the way it looked but there, i was there are I, that many prisons you can rent for your movie I yeah guess, i'm sure so. it's just sort of a the, all right we're shooting walking in. dead has that one ah, damn it yeah anyway but uh consider that a recommendation for side effects it's heady it's it's not fast paced but it is i found it delightfully hard to get ahead of like the movie was like one step ahead of me the whole time which was cool uh a movie i saw recently that i don't think a lot of people are gonna probably end up seeing was uh stand-up guys I, that had, I, I was gonna see that but then i oh, saw like the rotten the tomatoes the... it had like a negative five yeah, it, it well, has it well has received. a pretty poor score and i would not i would not recommend seeing it i wouldn't recommend seeing it in <laughs> theaters. Or talking about it i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend it. going out it's of a rental way to see it in theaters it's a rental it's a netflix it's one of those when you've got kind of like oh, i need something to do for you know two hours or hour and a half however long it is um and and bring it up it starts off pretty rocky like it starts <laughs> off with Christopher Walken just completely phoning it in. And, I mean, you know the way he does his weird kind of cadence to begin with. It's It sounds like he is a person who does not speak English, and they're feeding him his lines one word at a <laughs> time. He's the guy from Temple of Doom. Yeah, oh, he's, wow. he's, he's, he's putting the emphasis on the wrong words, and he's pausing in weird places even more than he does normally. He's just so done with being there and right in the first five minutes so it's like oh this is good but then i don't know if they shot it in sequence and he warmed up to it or if he like or goes, if they shot the last scene first yeah and he was just he was over just, the production yeah, by then. whatever it was or they shot the end and then he had a car accident before they <laughs> shot the beginning whatever it was after a little while he it was fine he got better and he warmed up to it and it, it the the chemistry between him and Al Pacino who is not doing his usual Al Pacino thing he's kind of a schlub what? he just got out of he's a schlub he just got out of prison he's he's you know um you're going to miss my hoo ha yeah Stop um, saying that. he's funny um but but what? at his kind of at his own expense in in a way, not not he's not making fun of himself for being Al Pacino. He's just being very you know he's he's not being afraid to be like the the goofy fuck up character. What is stand up um, guys about? Uh, it's about give me the elevator. Uh, it's it's hard to say. It's about a guy who just got out of prison. 
um, after 30 years reconnecting oh, with was that Walken? the world, basically. Oh, it's also uh, Alan Pacino Arkin. was, Ch- right. Pacino Alan Arkin, was yeah. the guy who just got out of prison. Pacino's the guy who just got out of prison. And Walken is the guy, who, like, his his only friend. And and you discover, you discover this pretty quickly, so I guess it's not too much of a spoiler, but... It's a little bit of an in Bruges thing. It sort of feels like a slightly low rent in Bruges, where they shot it here <laughs> instead of in Bruges, um, because the the reason that his his buddy is still there is because he went he went to jail because of a job that went wrong, and the person in charge of the job, his son was killed in the job, and he blamed Al Pacino for it. So he, Christopher Walken has to kill Al Pacino. He ah. he put a hit on, and he has to kill Al Pacino. And so there's kind of that that undercurrent going on. But like I said, that. That's revealed fairly early on to the audience, um, and so that's not a huge spoiler. Be funny if you were lying. Yeah. Like that's the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but like I said, it's 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 revealed pretty early on. Like Vader's his father. Yeah. That's, the, yeah. that's what's happening it's, here. It's, but that's not like a spoiler. That's that not really what the movie's about. Yeah. It's not really about that. It's basic. But but I do think it's worth um checking out. Pretend I didn't. Do pretend I didn't say that because the movie does take a little bit of time. Did with, you say uh, what? Yeah. Exactly. Nothing. Uh-huh. That, what do you got, Trey? That. Oh, oh, that! I'm actually scrolling through my Netflix history here. Uh, actually, um, Eddie Eddie recommended some documentaries, which I ended up catching recently. I ended up watching like everything that he recommended. I've seen I've seen some. I've Jiro dreams of sushi, where I really enjoyed. I saw that one. I'm a big fan of sushi, so that I was wasn't as like crazy about that one as me. Eddie was, but it is a good doc. That was just porn for me because I like sushi. Yeah, that was fantastic. I did um, along the same lines. I watched uh, Queen of Versailles, which that's the only one that he recommended that I haven't seen because when he was even describing it, I'm like, I'm yeah. gonna hate the world if Sounded I watch like I, I'm not. I'm not going to want to watch that. Did you like Versailles? Um, Did you hate the world afterwards? I guess is the better question. No, I I, I felt bad for them. I felt bad for those people. <laughs> for the world so or they, for them? Did they get like well, comeuppance or something? Anything? Hey, don't spoil it. I guess. <laughs> it happened pretty early on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they all die, but that's the beginning. Anyway, sorry. Queen of uh, Versailles was the one about the people that had a lot of money and then they... They build it, yeah, they... It's it's this young trophy wife, or who was a young trophy wife, and is now an aging trophy wife, married to this real estate uh, developer who owns all these timeshares all over the place, and then they the the real estate bubble collapses, and they just lose a shit ton of money, and they were in the process of building this in- incredible, like the largest, what would be the largest house in the country, modeled after the palace of in Versailles, and it's half finished, and they're just they have a fraction of the money that they have and they're trying to struggle with you know this new reality and and they just don't have the psychology to do it basically <laughs> wow as long as they end up eating dog food or something i'm in i i, I think i'd like to see that <laughs> out of the bowl yeah <laughs> fight like fighting the dog for it get down um actually i just i picked it, I, I rewatched it because i'd seen it recently um uh america and the bill hicks story which is good a- doc Good doc. Just a, just an overview of it, Bill Hicks, but uh, just makes you you know if you don't know who he was, um, I tell you this. I because uh, I'm just literally looking at my at my Netflix queue and what I've watched in what order. Um, I actually give me some credit here. I actually gave uh, a, a chance to Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Did I you? did too? And I look, look at the bar. I I made it that far. <laughs> so mean, that was that's like two hours though. No, <laughs> no actually, that's a long movie. You know what killed me on the thing is I, I was okay with the moon scene. You know, even though it was like. Uh, Okay, you know this is brain dead stupid. Yeah, it's beautiful looking. If only you know yeah. all that. No, it was Shia LaBeouf and his and his side of beef girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Whatever the fuck that was supposed to be about. Where I was just like, this is just awful. This is, you know, it's like he. It's just, just no. 
No, this is just, I don't just care stop. what happens. I, I made it through that, stop. but I didn't make it to the halfway point. Yeah, it's like, my God, they've actually found something worse than Megan Fox. They found whatever that was. Yeah. Um, and, and they, and, but, but to give it, to be fair, they, they, you know, made it a deep, fulfilling relationship where he likes her because she has tits and he, she likes him because he got a medal from the White House and, well, as long as it's real. Something else, you know, so it's something people can relate to. Mike has to go. Yeah. Bye, Mike. Bye. He's, he's bundling up. And, I am. Uh, he's getting ready I'm, to go. Well, I was bundling up because the AC's yeah. hot. Dumped. Oh, yeah. I forgot to turn it off. It was really hot in here earlier. <laughs> the last things I have on my queue is that I was rewatching episodes of Faulty Towers. Can't go wrong with yes. that. They're, they're doing... They're Can't doing, go wrong with those. Uh, they're doing a new series of uh, Yes Minister and Yes Prime oh, Minister. Oh, okay. I'm not as familiar so. with that as Faulty Towers. Or, or an, an American, I don't know, something. But yeah. So, so chat room says, bye, Mike. If you got if you got twenty five minutes, you need to kill Faulty Towers. You can't you can't go wrong with Faulty Towers. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. There's only there's only twelve episodes, so cool. I have to go to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, all right. It's just, then it's just me. Just ends up Teague talking yeah. to himself in a room. This has been down in front, <laughs> dude. It's just me like hugging it's, my knees and rolling back and forth and growing my hair out and just talking to people that aren't listening. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's what most out. podcasts are. Well, I mean, like I was thinking like Howard Hughes and like peeing in bottles. Of oh, and one more, uh, one more on my list. Uh, surely you've seen the Theremin documentary. Oh yeah, yeah. Clara Bartram, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, Clara cool. Clayton. There is a there is a there is a there is a twist in that though. I, would, yeah. I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, check that one out. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, uh, I ended up seeing all. Uh, Eddie had recommended like nine documentaries. I ended up seeing almost all of them. I saw West of Memphis. Thumbs up. Uh, even though that fucking dude talking the whole time. My God. Uh, I saw Invisible the Invisible War, War which okay. is the one about um, rape in the military. Good doc. I liked that, you know, insofar as you can say I liked Requiem for a Dream, I liked that doc. Yeah. Um, I wasn't huge on How to Survive a Plague, and I can't really articulate why. Um, I need to check that one out. It's a really compelling time in history, uh, but yeah. it just wasn't huge. I, I wasn't huge on it. I saw Jiro. Cool. You know, nothing nothing major there for me. I did see uh, The Bones Brigade, which is the one about uh, the, basically the spiritual sequel to that's Dog the one, That's Z-Bones. the one I'm least interested in. I, I really thing. enjoyed it. I, I thought it, I, I I don't give a shit about skateboarding, but I okay. I found that to be really interesting and engaging. Um, there was it's almost like Stacy Peralta decided, even though there's a really awesome back half to this story, I'm only going to do the first half for Doc and Z Boys, <laughs> as opposed to like making something up for the second half because he wanted to make another doc. There was a whole bunch of juicy shit that happened after Doc and Z Boys that was really interesting, and that takes you from like Rodney Mullen street skating shit in the late seventies to like the X games. Like it's, it's the, it's the more modern half of the skateboarding thing. Uh, and it was really interesting and cool and Tony Hawk's all over it and a bunch of names and it, oh. it was cool. That was, a, well, a, maybe I'll give it a chance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it may or may not be your cup of tea, Rah. but it's, you know, California in the late seventies through the eighties and early nineties. Well, it was fun at the time. I remember that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm out of things to say. I think I ran out of things to recommend. Okay, then we're done. This has been done in front. <laughs> can you do it? Can you do the whole outro? Let's see if you can do oh, it. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I probably can't. I probably can't. This has been done in front. You can find a new episode every week. On, on, uh, no, see, I can't do it. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us on iTunes. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. It's weird. Brian, can you do it? Uh, no, you had it written down for me at one point, oh, yeah. remember? Uh, but I don't have thing. that anymore. Uh, good, night, good night. I wrote down the outro <laughs> so that I could then go to the, to hospital. the hospital. Yeah, so you yeah. could pass a kidney stone. 
That was mm. that was devotion to the show. That fucking kidney stone. Anyway, Good this times. has been down in front. Drink you can watch more episodes. <laughs> Drink cranberry juice. Front That's front our recommendation for the week. Subscribe to iTunes to get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash down in front. Facebook down in front. Show email at down in front. Show gmail.com. Go to the forum. Involve yourself in the community. It's a wonderful group of people. You should be there. It's like. You should be so lucky. You should be so. Lu- anyway. Uh, Already. Also, uh, go and uh, buy our shirts and give us money at the store. Holden Hill Design to maintain the website. And until next week, my name is T. Christie. You forgot PayPal. Give us money on PayPal. Uh, my <laughs> not asking what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm Brian Fifter. <laughs> Mike Scott. Trey Stokes. This has been out of front. Thank you much for listening. Good night. Good night. I know pieces. I'm just going to do it all yeah. in yeah, a row. Just, I know what's missing. Well, apparently I can't either.